What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to the Window Canada Sports Betting Podcast. It's the Sunday special Circa Million Contest episode. First up, the Circa Survivor Selection for the Friends of the Podcast Entry. Then I unveil the five picks against the spread that we're using to chase after the big money in Circa Million. I'll highlight what the most popular picks are for everyone in the Circa Million and give my take on those. Then we take a quick look at how lines are moving this weekend and see if there's any value elsewhere in the markets. Plus the teaser bucket and the underdog money line parlay bucket. Time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to The Window. I'm your host and sports betting professional, Matt Russell. It's the Sunday special episode, the Circa Contest Show. Last one of the season, week 17. Oh, how time flies. Probably done with Sunday shows until maybe March Madness, something along those lines. Uh, So we start where we always do, Survivor. And if you've been following our Survivor plan, you're still alive in your Survivor pool. There's 35 remaining in Circa Survivor after 1,391 started. Two and a half percent, right? That's the number of entrants that have made it to week 17, which is probably lower than your pool at work or at home because of the Thanksgiving element in Circa Survivor. That's what tripped us up. But that hasn't changed anything for the more traditional survivor pools, and here we are alive in week 17. Admittedly, given this season, it actually hasn't really been that hard with bullets being dodged on a weekly basis, right? Big favorites winning by a field goal, you know, going down 10 early and then coming back to win pretty consistently throughout this season. And that's why we're still talking about this in week 17, after all. So who are we going to pick this week? Well... For starters here, these are the selections in Circa Survivor from a popularity standpoint. And the most popular, Tide, Baltimore, and Indianapolis here, both with nine selections uh, apiece. And I give kudos to those who were willing and able to keep those teams around for this long, especially Baltimore, given their matchups the last couple of weeks. So tip of my cap to you guys out there for doing that. Washington at six, the Saints at four, the Browns at three, and the Titans at three, and the Vikings with one lone person hoping there's complete and utter chaos, and the Vikings get there, and they end up winning $2.39 million all on their own. Pretty unlikely, especially given what we've seen so far this season. My selection is none of those, and it was by design. We're taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and here's why. Multiple reasons. One, I talk about having a plan when it comes to your survivor pool, and you don't need to plan it out, nor should you plan it out, from before the season starts. I would say maybe give the last few weeks a good hard look before you make an early week pick, Right, You could make the case that if you had looked at Week 17 at the Colts-Jaguars game here, Colts being at home against the Jaguars, it might have taken you off the Colts against the Jaguars in Week 1 on the road in Jacksonville where the Colts lost. The only loss, excuse me, the only win of the season 
for the Jags. And so I talk about sticking to that plan. And this season has rewarded those who just kind of showed up each week, right? That's why we have so many people relative to the usual being alive, because you could kind of just show up week to week and get bailed out with, frankly, some kind of, you know, pretty bad picks. And so even this week, you've got a no plan pick in Cleveland, right? You would have never taken them versus Pittsburgh normally. And so while I give kudos to those who still have Baltimore and still have Indianapolis, those are very much the type of plays that were clearly planned out, right? You would have needed to know that you were taking Baltimore in week 17 to avoid taking Baltimore the last couple of weeks, given those matchups. And so those kind of showing up going, all right, who am I picking this week have survived as long as they have. And now they have Cleveland falling into their lap. Because again, you would not ever plan to take them against Pittsburgh in week 17. But lo and behold, Pittsburgh has nothing to play for, or at least they don't believe they have anything to play for and are sitting a bunch of people. How about Washington? We've referred to those as a relatively popular pick in Circa Survivor. Well, why would you ever save Washington for a game against Philadelphia, right? You just kind of showed up, needed a team to play, and that's where you're going with it. So Saints, Vikings, like there's got to be better places for those teams to be used, especially given the news that we've gotten with regards to the Saints. So here was my plan. And there's no use trying to win your survivor pool in like week 10, right? We've talked about that a handful of times. So many people, the people that have been knocked out with very few exceptions, you know, later in the season, obviously the Rams losing to the Jets, the early season Colts and Jaguars game, which again, I would say any little bit of planning would have had you at least avoiding that game. So many people have been knocked out this year because they've just been too aggressive, right? Trying to swim upstream, trying to win the pool in week 10, in week 12, in week 14. So the plan was to save the Bucks and the Falcons because in week 17, that's when you want to be a little bit different, right? Because you can do the math for a couple of different reasons. One, you can do the math where if, say, there was 200 people in your survivor pool, and more likely there's probably about 20 still left. Because while it was 2.5% in Circa Survivor, for a couple of different reasons, it's going to be higher. One, the Thanksgiving element, but two, the fact that Circa Survivor, you had to make your pick on Saturday or by a deadline on Saturday, whereas most people, your survivor pick doesn't have to be in until 1 p.m. on Sunday. That's why we do this show. It's why we get this show out on the streets before that deadline comes up. And so it can, it's a little bit trickier. So you're probably looking at between sort of 7 to 10% of people still remaining in your pool. And now is the week to be a little bit different because you look at that, you know, your pool outcome and you go okay well you know say there's two thousand dollars left you know to be one in your pool there are 10 20 people left okay that's only a hundred to two hundred dollars each if everybody just takes the same thing and we all chop it up okay that's a decent price or decent amount of money okay fine whatever but why not try for one week and one week only to be a little bit different. And I'm not saying take an underdog, take something insane, but take something a little bit off the beaten path. And for me, that's the Bucks this week. So my plan was to save the Bucks and the Falcons. Not that the Falcons were a particularly hard team to save, because I knew in week 17 that either the Bucks would need the game and try as they do and as they are, and or... <laughs> 
they won't. <laughs> they won't need the game. And they end up sitting Tom and Gronk and all of the handful of other guys that they have banged up on the team. And now you're using Atlanta, or at least have the option to use Atlanta, against Blaine Gabbert, right? And so we saw a couple of weeks ago with this team, okay, Tampa Bay going to be a little bit more competitive because Atlanta playing still you know, pretty hard. I would think that Atlanta would be a quite a bit of a favorite against Blaine Gabbert. That said, not an issue. So now you have Tampa as seven-point home favorites, which isn't exactly, you know, an insane spread, right? Obviously, you'd rather a team be 14-point favorites the way the Colts are. Uh, You'd rather a team be a 10-point favorite or like Baltimore, of course, right? 13, 14-point favorite, but seven's still pretty good. And of course, with that whole plan, there's obviously the possibility of a backup plan as well, right? It could have been Chicago if Green Bay didn't need to play anything. Uh, play for anything. The backup plan would have, could have been Cleveland in this situation. But the plan is the plan, so we stick with it. And the third part of that plan is I want to give myself a chance to win that more money. So if we all just take Cleveland, we all take Indianapolis, and we, we, we all win, not much changes. But this way, I can increase my payout exponentially if one of those two teams happens to lose. And I would say even more popular would be Cleveland uh, on a week like this, given how many people in your pool probably took Baltimore, probably took Indianapolis already. But what about the risk of taking a team less likely to win, you might say, right? Like, oh, you'd kill it, you know, you'd want, you'd be all beaten up about taking uh, Tampa Bay only to watch Atlanta win. And again, if I'm losing out on a couple hundred bucks or splitting something 20 different ways, 10 different ways, I'm not going to really feel all that bad about it. And the other thing is, we know this is the end. It's hedge time. So whether you're in Circa Survivor or you're in your survivor pool at home, if the money that you might win is meaningful in any way, shape, or form, and I'd argue that 100 200 bucks isn't all that meaningful, you might as well just ride it out, see what happens at this point, you're going to want to hedge, right? And that's the final point here. Don't hedge the money line. Hedge the point spread. This is your chance for a big score. Now, again, big is relative to sort of what stakes you're playing at here. But depending on the common spread, you can do this one of two ways. One, you can increase your middle opportunity window here, right, with an alt spread. In this case, seven is the common spread. Let's go up to seven and a half. Play, you know, pay minus 120, minus 125, because while you're paying a little more, and from a betting traditional standpoint, you're not going to want to actually... You know, you never want to buy points, even off of key numbers necessarily, but you're paying out of a pool of prize money that you would be getting back anyway, right? This isn't in your normal bankroll. This isn't as part of your normal ledger. And so buying points or a point or a half point isn't a big deal on the key number, right? Tampa then wins by seven. You win both. Everything's great. The other option, if you want to be a little bit more aggressive, is the alternate spread, but the other way. Again, don't take the money line at plus 250, and now you're sitting there going, okay, am I root, which team am I rooting for, which money, you know, how much money is this versus that, et cetera, et cetera. You know, now if the Falcons win and, you know, you're like, okay, did I, okay, I'm glad I hedged, but like, was it worth it if Tampa Bay wins? And, you know, they win by three. You're like, was it really worth the sweat? And I've only won back like half the money that I could have won. And anyway, it's a whole thing. But take the alternate spread plus three and a half at, say, down to plus 125, 130, 140, obviously the best number you can possibly get. So you're investing a little bit less in your hedge. You get, you're get you getting a little bit more back. 
obviously you have less of a middle, but it's a better payout if you get into that deep sweat situation late on a key number. Again, the key being you want to be plus three and a half or you want to be plus seven and a half. Buying it down to plus five and a half doesn't really do you all that much good, right? Doesn't do you any good to get eight and nine as key number. Sure, the game might fall in those specific spots. It's just not going to be worth it though. So again, key numbers, hedging, that's what time it is for Survivor. That's a story. Uh, as for Circa Million and the best bets for a wacky week 17, let's get to that right after this quick break. Quick break to tell you guys about our favorite Las Vegas proxy team, Maddie and Tony, over at footballcontest.com. They make the sign-up process so easy, and having used their service for 10 years through the evolution of the contest scene in Las Vegas, they are 100% reliable, true professionals yet again this season. If you enjoyed the ride this season with the Circa Million and Survivor Contest, and you want to try your hand at competing with some of the best NFL handicappers in the world next year, go to footballcontest.com or check Check them out on Twitter at Football Contest. Contest signups will start back up pretty soon after the Super Bowl, and they have discounted prices even before then, so start planning your trip now. Tell them you came to them through the window. So we're going to do it a little differently this week. It's the only week of the season, week 17, where the best bets and the circa million plays aren't definitely one and the same. And that's pretty simple, right? It is a game theory situation. So we are sitting a couple of points out of the top 50 cash. So we need to go 5-0 and to make up two points on the average, right? We're just assuming that the average score will be three and two because that's kind of around where it is each week. Now, in some cases, the consensus goes five and zero, oh, and in some weeks, it goes zero oh and five. We're obviously hoping for the latter when it comes to the consensus. So, if that five and zero oh, that comes and we hit it, and it's on some or all of the most popular plays, and it's one of those weeks where the consensus does well, then five and zero oh, in and of itself still isn't good enough. So we have to find five plays that fall under sort of three criteria. They are a combination of contrarian, meaning, of course, that most people have the opposite, right? That it goes against consensus. Because again, we are trying to make a big move on a week where the consensus does poorly. 0 and 5, 1 and 4, even 2 and 3, something along those lines. But again, we need it to be really, really bad for everyone else and really, really good for us. And the best way to do that is to take some of these really contrarian type plays. But again, contrarian wins quite frequently in the NFL. The other uh, category, if you will, unpopular. So this is different from contrarian, where it's more just games that people don't want to bet on. They don't want either side, right? They are in a case of a contest that has over 3000 people like this one, when we're sitting around the top 100. We need to be finding games that people just aren't all that interested in, right? There's no line value that's like screaming for someone to pick this team. There's, uh, you know, there's no super popular pick and we're just fading that pick. It's really just, you know what? Nobody wants anything to do with this game. We'll take a shot at that 
game. And then finally, there has to be at least some value relative to the market number. And what that means is I'm not going to just take a bad number, or if I do take a bad number, I'm going to take a bad number that is not around a key number. So, you know, spoiler alert, the most popular play this week is Washington minus two. Well, I don't have to tell you why that is. You know why that is. One, it's the Sunday night game. And of course, everything sort of flows to that with regards to a final payout. We always try to like to take that final Sunday night you know, football game. So we know where we are at least for a half hour before that game starts. But moreover, it's in the minus two because that line right now is minus four. And so I could take Philadelphia plus two, but I'd be giving up that key number of three. And I'll get to it in a little bit in a second. I do still kind of regret not taking Philadelphia plus two. And so those combinations all need to sort of make up uh, a possible comeback, right? It, it has to make a comeback mathematically possible because, again, there's a way that you make five picks and you can say to yourself, oh, I go, if I go five and oh and everybody else goes three and two, I can make up two spots, two points here on everybody else. But if everybody has the same picks as you, going five and oh means everybody else is going to go five and oh or four and one or something along those lines. So, again, there has to be some thought going into this. Now, it's week 17 and it's not like there's a ton of really great bets out there anyway because of how the uncertainty works here when it comes to week 17. So here's our plays for the contest. And the good news is we actually managed to succeed in making it possible for us to come back with the following five selections. First one up, the Jets, plus two and a half here. And the key to this one, I think, is that the contest line was made at plus two and a half, despite the fact that this has been to plus three all week. This is a game that would be on my board no matter what, and the good news is it was you know, very unpopular within the contest. And so, Again, part of that is because it's not off the key number of three. You're, you can go out and you can get plus three right now. I encourage you to do so. I like the Jets on the money line here. I don't know what we've seen out of the Patriots in the last three weeks that would make us think that they're actually trying to win this game or that they're even capable of winning this game. And I think at this point, this isn't the Jets are, you know, they haven't won a game all season. Are they ever going to win the game? Are they trying to tank? There's not, none of that stuff exists right now. And again, we've already seen this matchup even earlier on in the season where the Jets should have won that game. Does it matter that this game's in Foxborough? I certainly don't think so. It didn't matter on Monday night when they got their doors blown off by the Bills. And so for me, this is going to be a best bet no matter what. And one of the few bets that I can recommend this week with at least some level of excitement or uh, I don't even want to say confidence because it's you know listen it's betting right so who the hell knows uh, next up Miami plus one uh, contrarian because at the time that it was made Buffalo was a three-point favorite and this line has been bopping up all over the place all week long and we're actually getting some value here now because of where this line goes, we'll talk about more, more about that in a second. Next one up, the Los Angeles Rams, plus three. Obviously, the Arizona fade, you know, people liking Arizona thinking, you know, our thinking, of course, was that there's so much uncertainty with regards to Kyler Murray, with regards to the Rams quarterback situation, that it's going to be an unpopular game. And sure enough, not a game that a ton of people are necessarily trying to get involved in. A little bit more on the Rams than are on the Cardinals, which was a little bit of a surprise to me. But again, not enough that, you know, we, we lost any of our value on this game. 
Uh, next one up, Jacksonville, plus 13.5 in the contest line. Obviously, this thing has been 14 all week, even a smattering of 14.5 with a little extra juice here. Talked about this a little bit earlier on in the week about how, you know, I think the Colts win this game, but we've taken all of the reasons for the Jags to try to lose this game out of the equation. And so I think you're going to get a better effort out of the Jags. Obviously, a team that has matched up decently with the Colts, albeit a million years ago, i.e. four months ago when the season started. And I just think that this line is obviously overinflated because of the situation that the Colts are in with needing to win, right? It's the need to the, the win, you know, need to win to get in type situation that's bumping up these lines. And so, yes, I'm not getting the best of the value here because I'm not getting plus 14 in the contest. But again, I'm trying to get a full point here. I'm not looking to push. So if this game lands on 14 and I lose from a contest standpoint, that's okay. Like at least I took the shot here. From a betting standpoint at plus 14 or plus 14 and a half, yeah, the only bet you can make, and it's certainly, you know, you're not going to search out Jacksonville plus 13 and a half, so I don't have to worry about it from that standpoint. But like the only bet that you can make with regards to this game is the plus 14 or plus 14 and a half with regards to Jacksonville. So, you know, it's all I'm giving up here from a contest standpoint is that half point, which again, desperate times here at week 17. All of that matters is that I get a win here. So if this game lands on 13, 12, etc., I still I'm still going to end up getting the full point. If it lands on 14, we shrug our shoulders, you know, and go, whoops, you know, <laughs> and I don't think that's what's going to cost us um, getting into the top 50. Uh, and then the final one, Denver plus two and a half. This is a bit of a uh, I don't even know how to, is it a revenge situation? Is it sort of, you know, from last season's uh, Raiders and Broncos game where we suffered the bad beat that knocked us um, down out of the top 20 in the super contest last year. Um, now we're getting points instead of giving points. Last year, same matchup, Denver minus three. They go up uh, two touchdowns. Um, <laughs> they go 15 to nothing and the Raiders come all the way back in the fourth quarter, score two touchdowns, go for two, don't actually get it. Uh, just a total mess. And so part of there is, you know, of, of it is I'm going to try to kind of uh, get that back. And if it doesn't work out, that's fine. But when we're looking at games that are unpopular, that people don't want to play Raiders and, and Broncos, basically any game that doesn't have one team interested in the game and then another team not right you'll see a lot of these more popular plays are one team cares one team doesn't or both teams care etc etc these sort of afterthought games are the ones where we need to kind of get in here and get a point and Denver plus two and a half in a game that I think they could win outright would help if Jerry Judy actually caught a pass for a change that would be nice so those are the five uh, picks that we're going with and again succeeded with regards to if those go five and oh again that's a long shot in of itself i don't want anybody to think that that's not but you have to give yourself a chance if those go five and oh then we at least have a chance to move up into the top 50 and bite a bit of the cash there and why is that possible well the most popular picks in the circa million are pretty 
predictable. And in fact, you know, I sort of do this exercise, obviously, as part of this, where I go, okay, I'm going to try to predict the five most popular picks. And I was pretty much bang on with all five of these selections. Most popular one is Washington minus two. Obvious, right? Washington needs to win the game. You know, they're getting a lot of their guys back. Alex Smith is going to play. So this line is shot up to minus four. Everybody knew that that was happening before submitting their picks. A lot of people just sort of protecting their lead in the top 50 at you know, Washington minus two. I'm not sure why you would take Washington minus two if you were chasing. So that's the only reason where I sort of go, why is this really that popular? Because if you were in 150th place, why would you bother taking Washington minus two? You need them to win anyway. And so I knew that I would be needing the Eagles plus two and almost took them anyway. Because, you know, honestly, I should have because it's a bad number. I get that. And then, but if I need them anyway, why bother trying to get a win elsewhere as well? So in that sort of final game, your fifth game of the day spot, if you need everybody to lose on my Washington minus two, you kind of might as well just take Philadelphia plus two. Because I could end up going five and zero, oh, and a bunch of these other people go, you know, one and three going into that last week. And then they, or that last game of the week. And then they just, they've got Washington minus two. And I'm going to be cheering and going to need Philadelphia plus two anyway. So I might as well have just taken them. So that's the one thing that I wish I, you know, I should have done differently in this case. You know, does that mean taking out Denver? Does that mean taking out the Rams? You know, it was probably going to be one of those two. So, you know, we'll see where we stand. Now listen, we might lose the first two games and... By the time Sunday rolls around, I might just be betting Washington at minus four because I don't, you know, I cease to care about that game. Um, obviously, I'm being, a, you know, a little bit sarcastic when it comes to that. Uh, so, you know, that just gives you a better idea that like, okay, if I need Philadelphia, even if plus two is now a, you know, plus 120 adjusted money line. And once we're talking about plus two, we're kind of talking about winning the game outright, aren't we? And so now you're going, okay, Philadelphia plus 140. That's still better than needing two games parlayed together. And it's certainly better than needing Philadelphia plus two and a whole other game parlayed with that, right? So say my last game is Denver plus two and a half. Now I'm going into this needing to cash Denver plus two and a half and Philadelphia plus two when I kind of might as well have just needed Philadelphia plus two. So again, you know, we make mistakes from a uh, game management uh, game theory standpoint is what it is. But from a betting standpoint, I don't really want anything to do with that Washington-Philadelphia game whatsoever. Uh, if I was in the cash, so if this was a sort of a more straight up top five, what would be those five picks that I would play? And these are sort of the more important ones when it comes to maybe you, if you're looking to follow some of the plays that I like today. So if I was in the cash, again, I would use that Jets plus two and a half, even though it's a quote unquote bad number, I would still use that. Talked about how plus three is certainly worth it from a best bet standpoint. I probably still end up using Denver plus two and a half. Uh, I, the ones that I would differentiate would be Green Bay minus five. I think I would kind of get suckered into them um, as as a team that I think you know shows Chicago that they're actually not that great. Um, Baltimore minus twelve is a play that I would use in the contest because in part it's now minus fourteen. Uh, talked about that earlier on in the week about how Baltimore again just beats up on bad teams. I think Cincinnati's still a bad team. And then Carolina plus seven, a bet that I made earlier on the week. I tweeted about it on Friday with all the sort of chaos that was going on with regards to college bowl games and stuff like that. Um, 
you know, obviously then the Saints news has dropped that number. I still like Carolina plus seven even before that. This thing's still at plus six. I mean, if you liked plus seven, you kind of still don't really hate plus six either. Like if you, you know, you weren't going into the plus seven going like, yeah, I really hope I push this. Obviously that's sort of the backup plan. We just talked about that with regards to Jacksonville. If Jacksonville was plus 14, I would have played that as a top five pick in the contest. So a little bit of a different angle there where you go, okay, if the line was a little bit different and I was in a bit better position, I would use it there. Uh, And then Rams plus three as well. Now, again, this thing is down to two and a half. And so you go, okay, not really sure anymore about that. Same thing with Miami. Um, Other bets, Atlanta plus seven. I like Kansas City is an interesting one. We'll talk about that in a second here. Uh, And then Pittsburgh also we talked about earlier in the week, grabbing plus 10. Again, things that are not necessarily available when it comes to the contest. So let's talk about the board here and everything else uh, that's going on in the NFL with regards to some of these games, the different line moves, et cetera, et cetera. And so talked about Jacksonville and the Colts here. You can get now firm 14 and a half. So again, Sunday money coming in on the Colts, people buying in to the, well, they need to win this game. And it doesn't matter that this number is elevated. Now it's not elevated a ton. My number's 13, talked about that earlier on the week. Obviously getting on the other side of 14 is a relative, <laughs> relatively key number when it comes to this game. And I think the indication of the, you know, the circus sports book moving this number on their contests on Thursday, which it was never 13 and a half, moving this to 13 and a half, you know, a lot of times they're predicting where the line is going to go. And so I kind of like that they moved it to 13 and a half, even though that the money has pushed it to 14 and a half. I kind of rather side with the number that they think it's going to be versus, you know, standard week 17 weirdness where people are just sort of piling in on a lot of the favorites. Uh, Green Bay and the Chicago Bears here. This thing down to four and a half, four. Um, again, uh, you know, it's obviously not going to, it was never going to be any higher than that. We are paying a price here for the Packers, but I'm kind of okay with paying that price because I don't know that the Bears come through here, um, you know, to make the playoffs all of a sudden after the season that they've had. They've taken advantage of some bad teams to this point, and that's fine. One game that we haven't talked about yet, Dallas and the New York Giants. And I thought this one, this was the one game uh, that, you know, I didn't talk about that was an extremely popular pick when it came to the Circa Million. Dallas minus one and a half right up there. And for those of you going, okay, like I love Dallas in this game too, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I'm not going to tell you to not to bet Dallas necessarily, but I'm going to tell you that while it was the third most popular pick in Circa Million, I'm just taking a quick look here from, you know, the leaderboard here, sort of the top 50, and there's not that many people that took Dallas. Now, there's nobody who took the Giants, but this isn't that sort of guarantee that I think you may have a tendency to think that this is. So for me... You know, I thought that this would be a popular pick, and of course it was, so I thought about taking the Giants, sort of doing the sort of afternoon version of just taking Philadelphia, um, because I think I'm going to need them. Anyway, it turns out that I don't need Dallas as badly as maybe some of these other results, and so I think that's indicative of sort of what the sharper people are thinking with regards to this game, that this isn't necessarily a Dallas minus one, like, greatest bet ever type of a situation. Pittsburgh and Cleveland, what a roller coaster this has been, right? Opened, 
you know, well, we talked about it, right? Seven, seven and a half, then it goes to 10. And we're like, why did it go to 10? No, there hasn't really been any news that we weren't expecting. And then people are like, yeah, that's true. And then they bet Pittsburgh and they put, they pushed it down to eight and a half, even eight briefly. And then now we're back to 10 here. And I can only assume that again, this is just off of news that we kind of already know. Now there's been a couple of extra players missing here from the Steelers, like Joe Hayden um, out with COVID. Now, were we sure that Joe Hayden was going to play anyway? Like there was a handful of guys that I talked about on the podcast on, I believe it was Tuesday, you know, about guys that we should expect to not be in the lineup, right? TJ Watt ends up that he's not in the lineup. And so maybe that's what's pushed this back again to 10. But Pittsburgh plus 10, I think, is actually a pretty good bet. And again, a best bet, if you will, um, you know, if all things were uh, were equal um, with regards to the contest, I should say. Um, of course, a plus 10 sitting there right now. Everything's equal, right? We know all of the information that we need to know. Uh, and for me, I think I would still take Pittsburgh plus 10. In fact, that's what I've got. And we talked about that earlier on the week. Uh, Jets and the Patriots, right? Again, this thing just sticking at three. I've talked, you know, it's all I needed to about that game. Um, still funny that that hasn't moved. Things that have moved that have been kind of funny is Minnesota and Detroit, another game that we haven't really talked about. Contest line of minus seven, and yet Detroit, not a particularly popular play, even though this line had moved down to four, four and a half yesterday with the news that Matt Stafford, and a completely insane person, is going to play. Just absolutely no reason for him to play this game. I was all lined up to take Minnesota minus seven. Almost pulled the trigger a bunch of different times on seven, on six and a half, just going, like, there's no way that this guy can play. Like, why would he bother? And of course, he's bothering. And so now this line has plummeted down to, I'm looking at a three right now over at Pinnacle with a little extra juice on the Vikings. Might have to put a small play there on the Vikings minus three. Now, they're missing a bunch of guys, especially on defense as well. This game's going to be ugly. And frankly, if you just wanted to skip it, I wouldn't hate that at all. Atlanta and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, bunch of defensive injuries, if you will, for the Buccaneers here, and yet this line creeps up. Now, is this the Week 17 Sunday creep up of all these teams that need a win or want a win against teams that aren't, you know, aren't playing for anything? Well, Atlanta hasn't been playing anything for a really long time, and so at plus 7.5 at minus 118, I think is actually a pretty good bet here, even though, again, I'm on Tampa with regards to Survivor, and if I'm being completely honest with you, I don't even hate the Atlanta money line necessarily, right? They just played a couple of weeks ago, and for as much of a collapse, guess what? The Falcons collapsed. Shocking. As much of a collapse as that was, right, the Falcons still at least know that they can play with the Buccaneers at least <laughs> at least for a half, maybe three quarters. Uh, in this case, I think they give them a good four quarters. Now, does that necessarily translate to a win? Not necessarily. Uh, Baltimore and Cincinnati. We're you know starting to see this come back off of fourteen again here. Some you know quote unquote sharpish money uh, on Cincinnati. If we could get Baltimore minus thirteen, and again that's worth a small play, but a game by and large that I'm not really all that interested. Cincinnati with this incredible stat of winning in week seventeen. They're like something like nineteen and one in their last like twenty weeks, and because a lot of the times they're playing teams that don't need much to win, but then every once in a while, right they pull off some sort of crazy upset to knock some team out of the playoffs. The Ravens a couple of years ago. I don't know that we're necessarily going to see a repeat of that in this one. Um, but there's also been a handful of Bengals games where they needed to win, right? The Andy Dalton era of, or even the Carson Palmer era, of needing to win that week 17 game just to get into the playoffs. Only, of course, 
can end up losing in the playoffs. Uh, Miami and Buffalo. Probably the most interesting game uh, in the last couple of days, essentially, right? In this game, you know, first of all, let's talk about, like, what should the point spread be in this game? And I think we talked about this potentially on Tuesday. But again, this was sort of an afterthought game because we just kind of assumed that Josh Allen wasn't going to play. And they've been pretty tight-lipped about this situation over in Buffalo. So what should this point spread be, right? It should be, well, it's not, you know, minus three is probably not enough. So that was always kind of a curious line. You know, we saw four and a half earlier on in the week and we're like, okay, like that's a bit more of a reasonable line to kind of decide, all right, which way are you going to go with it? But this line probably should be closer to five and a half or six, right? Given how good Buffalo is at this point, right? They are no secret anymore. And so now it's not, and it goes down to three. And you just sort of sit there and go like, well, why is this three? Because if Josh Allen and the starters are going to play for Buffalo, it needs to be higher. And if they're not, it needs to be lower than that. And of course, they don't tell us. But one thing that we do know is all we have to do is look back to last season, where the Bills, quote unquote, had a plan the same way that they're saying that they have a plan now. And I don't know if the plan is going to be the same. But last year, in week 17, the plan was Josh Allen's going to start. And then Josh Allen threw five passes and then allowed Matt Barkley to take over. And that allowed the Jets to beat the Bills on the road in Buffalo because Buffalo already had their playoff spot secured. Now, I don't necessarily recall, and obviously they weren't in, in the hunt for the division, but did it matter whether they were going to be the fifth or the sixth seed or necessarily like what was going to go on uh, if they had won? But this is that same situation where it's like, okay, like second or third seed, does that really matter? Especially if they're looking over at Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh, you know, being very forthright, announcing, we're not playing this guy, we're not playing this guy, we're not playing this guy, we're not really trying to win this game. Now, again, I think just general competitiveness keeps this game inside of 10 points for Pittsburgh. But again, they're telling Buffalo, like, you can have it if you want it. Now, the good news for Buffalo is they can lose the game. If Pittsburgh loses the game, Buffalo still gets that two seed. And so... I think the plan is going to be the same as it was last year. I think Josh Allen comes in, he plays a drive, maybe two, and then they get him out of there. Now, even if they don't, maybe he plays the full half, right? I still think that the Dolphins, by the way, even if Josh Allen plays, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's some guarantee that the Bills are going to win this game. And again, the Dolphins literally have all the incentive you could ever want to win this game outright, right? Like it is win and they're in, lose and they go home time for the Dolphins. So this isn't even like the Jets last year where you're like, okay, well the Bills aren't trying, but like, are the Jets good enough to even take advantage of that? Turns out like they were good-ish, right? I think that game was like 13 to six or something like that. And so the Dolphins, if this comes down to the fourth quarter and you know, the Steeler, you know, you're looking up the scoreboard and the Steelers are losing and like, we've already taken Josh Allen out of the mix. Like I can, you know, the Dolphins are going to be trying their absolute heart out to win this game, right? We're talking about like blitzing defensively. We're talking about like clock management, like calling timeouts, onside kicks, like everything that you could possibly want from a team to try to win this game. And I think that's why this line started creeping down yesterday because people started, whether well, it's inside information that like, oh, it's leaked that Buffalo's only going to play these guys, Josh Allen, you know, a couple of series, even if that, and maybe that's the case. And I think that's probably is the case, but I couldn't tell you that for sure. But really just people kind of realizing like, hang on a second, like the Dolphins care about this game like more than anyone else. Like they might care literally the most this week 
of anyone. Now, that doesn't guarantee you a win necessarily, but it might against a team that really doesn't care. And so this line, as it's creeped down, now all of a sudden, from a best bet standpoint, like my plus one with Miami, all of a sudden has a lot more value <laughs> than it did when we were when I was sitting there going like, yeah, it's plus three. I'm not getting good value, and maybe that's taking people off of the Dolphins here. But there's a very real possibility that the second half is like 20 nothing dolphins and no matter what happens in the first half like they kind of are going to be live to come back in this game so from a betting standpoint live is the way to treat this right i'm going to wait you know listen i'm already going to put in half unit type thing on the dolphins before the game on the off chance that just something good happens for them early on and it's you know start to finish a winner but i'm more likely to just wait wait for Josh Allen to go out of the game. I won't even wait necessarily for an indication that he's coming out of the game. I'm just going to wait essentially for two drives. And even, you know, if they're punting on that second drive, I'm still betting Miami. And even if he comes out for a third or a fourth drive, like I'm still okay with that, right? Like that's just, I'm just going to wait just in case they happen to get that like first drive touchdown, seven, nothing. Okay. Like, you know, we got our rep in here. Like that's good. We're good to go the rest of the way. So that's how I'm playing that with regards uh, to the Dolphins there. Um, as for the rest of the action, what do we got here? We got, uh, we talked about Jacksonville, Indianapolis, Green Bay, and Chicago line has not moved. Um, Tennessee and Houston with an interesting move as this has gone from seven and a half down to seven. Now, I think that seven and a half was just sitting there kind of as, again, another quasi placeholder for what if Deshaun Watson doesn't play? And again, like Matt Stafford, why, why would you play this guy, right? Why would you do this? Just more mismanagement. And it's not a surprise that, listen, Buffalo probably is going to take Josh Allen out after the first or second series, while Detroit and Houston are risking the best players on their team for absolutely no reason whatsoever. And on top of that, right, like I know that Houston obviously has traded their draft pick away and like they're trying maybe just to spite Miami or whatever, but like you still get higher picks in the second and thirds and fourth rounds and stuff and teams do trade up, right? So like those still have value. And the idea that they're going to like fight to the death here with Deshaun Watson just probably getting obliterated because the team has given up. And do they care because J.J. Watt called them out defensively last week? I'm sure they probably look at J.J. Watt like a lot of us look at J.J. Watt and go, shut up, J.J. Watt. Like, we're tired of, you know, your general... <laughs> I didn't want to say it. I'm not going to say it. Um, yeah, let's just say not a fan of J.J. Watt's thirstiness. Um, New Orleans and Carolina, right? This number goes down to six off of seven. No surprise there because of the Saints running back situation. Does this from a mindset standpoint put the Saints in a different position, right? If you then go, okay, like, you know, what are we fighting here? Well, we need to win and we need this team to lose to get the top seed. And like, that would be great. But like, is it worth, like, are we just going to run Taysom Hill 20 times? Like he's still... You know, he's supposedly valuable, right? Like, he, even with Drew Brees, he's still a valuable commodity on that team. And, like, are they even going to bother doing that? And so, like, how much does it really matter? Now, maybe they're fighting to win that game and get that top seed so they don't have to worry about scheduling next week and Alvin Kamara possibly not being able to play if the NFL schedules the Saints to play on Saturday because that might be the difference on whether he can play on whether the NFL schedules him on them on Saturday or Sunday, which is kind of going to be an amazing subplot to this week or at least to the end of the night because, well, I think we'll find out those matchups and the schedule by the end of the evening. 
Uh, talked about uh, the Vikings and the Lions. Those you know, the numbers still moving down towards the, the Lions there. Again, that's just fishy uh, as can be. Uh, Chargers and the Chiefs. This thing keeps ticking up, ticking up. And I think we're going to see six here with the Chargers. And the only thing I would say here, you know, obviously the Chiefs have no incentive to win the game. You're going to get Chad Henney, a bunch of backup guys at the skill position stuff. We talked about that earlier in the week, that the backup guys are still pretty good. The scheme is still pretty good with regards to the Chiefs. The one thing I would say to you is if you're looking to bet the Chargers here, as seems to be everybody, right? And again, you could have had minus three and a half all week long, and we haven't really gotten any news that would make one team more or less valuable. And now all of a sudden it's minus five and people are still betting it, minus five and a half before you bet the Chargers. And maybe it's too late. If you can, let's call it Chargers roulette, if you will, right? If you can load up a gun and go... All right, name me five Chargers that are definitively starting in this game. And if you say one guy that isn't actually playing in this game, like we pull the trigger here, like, I don't know that you can do that right now because a lot of guys are in the game. If you panic and say Hunter Henry, no, sorry, he's still out, right? Keenan Allen's still out. If you're defense, Bosa, not in. Uh, is Ingram back? No, he's been out all season. You know, like it just, Jaleel died, right? You get deeper into that, Casey Hayward, and you're like, okay, still not, not nobody who's actually playing. Like it's not just the Chiefs that are without five, six starting guys here, right? And you've also got Anthony Lynn required to cover a game by more than a touchdown. Like, to me, that's just a no. <laughs> like, just no on that. Like, to me, this is Chiefs or nothing. And it's funny, the more popular play between the two is Kansas City in the Circa Million Contest, even at plus three and a half. So kind of an interesting element to that one there. Seattle and San Francisco, this thing ticking up, ticking up, as again, a roster of dudes not playing for San Francisco in this game, essentially feels like they're waving the white flag from, again, a lineup standpoint. Now, the thing is, when you get to the actual game itself, is that going to be the case, right? We see all the time these games getting weird in the second half of week 17 games. And so I've got yet another fiends gambit type of parlay type situation here. What if hypothetically the Packers get out to their traditionally good start against the Chicago Bears? And at halftime of all these games, Chicago's up by, or excuse me, Green Bay's up by a touchdown, maybe two, something along those lines. And Seattle looks and they go, oh, okay, so there's no chance. Like, what are we playing the second half for? What does it matter? And New Orleans, who's already without half of their or their entire running back core. And they go, well, what are we risking Drew Brees out there for? What are we risking Taysom Hill out there for? Et cetera, et cetera. Why are we bothering with all of this? And they pull all of their starters. What about a Green Bay, like minus six and a half? And it has to be obviously an alternate line, first half line. So minus six and a half, first half line, where you're getting like plus money because it has to be enough of a discrepancy from on the scoreboard for other teams to look at it and be like, oh, okay, Green Bay is going to win that game. So Green Bay minus six and a half, first half, parlayed with San Francisco plus seven, Carolina plus seven, where even if those teams are losing, even relatively big, you know, even if they're down, say, 20 points at halftime, you know, sort of in pie in the sky, sort of aggressive way to think of it. But like, why would Russell Wilson be in there right like I think Geno Smith is the backup can we see some Geno Smith in the second half maybe could could we see some Jameis Winston in the second half and we know that Carolina even at sort of the best of times uh or the worst of times if you will is still a really good 
backdoor underdog type team. So I kind of like throwing those all together. It pays like seven to one. Again, nothing crazy necessarily with regards to like how much you would bet that, but like that's at least all within the realm of possibility. There's of course on week 17, all kinds of opportunity to live bet a lot of these games as well. And both of those, really all three of those games um, are potential live bet opportunities, depending on what we see in the first half of all those games to go along, of course, with the Miami game as well. Uh, just to finish off here, Raiders Broncos. Again, you can still get you can get the Broncos plus three now at like minus one twenty. If you can do minus one twenty or better, uh, I think plus three obviously is sort of a nice backup plan there. And then the Cardinals and the Rams. This thing has plummeted off of three down through two and a half earlier, and now we're looking at like one one and a half. So again, at least from a contest standpoint, good news is getting a ton of value here with a relatively unpopular play with regards to the Rams. And of course, the Sunday night game here, Washington and Philadelphia, this thing just completely off the rails at this point. Like Philadelphia, I don't think is trying in any way, shape or form here. We're looking at minus six uh, as we go to, to, to press here, um, so to speak, with Washington. And again, yeah, it's just, unfortunately, you know, hopefully it's a better game to watch. I mean, again, based on the fact that this number keeps rocketing up, seems unlikely that that's going to be a really interesting game to watch. And probably one of these games that's just kind of a sort of slow coronation, if you will, for Washington winning the, and I say coronation sort of sarcastically, with Washington winning the NFC East. And, you know, and I talk about Miami caring more about literally any other team. Obviously, there's a bunch of teams that care about getting into the playoffs, the Browns being one of them. Um, but you can't tell me the Browns care any more than Miami does. But even these NFC East teams, right, like getting into the playoffs, you saw this, you've probably seen the stat about like the Giants, like if they lose, they get a top five pick potentially in the draft. It's like, I kind of rather the top five pick than the division title only to get smoked by Tampa Bay next week. Uh, so when it comes to all of those, you know, sort of be careful um, with what you're doing there. Uh, live betting, like higher percentage this week than normally from a money line parlay standpoint. You know, we sort of like to get a little bit loose every week with a money line parlay round robin three by five. You know, uh, part of it is like this week's actually kind of interesting. And then part of it is, of course, you know, like there's a reason a lot of these teams are favored by a certain amount. So obviously I like the Jets money line. Talked about how I kind of like, again, from a value standpoint at this point, the Atlanta money line at like plus 250, pretty good. And again, already said that I like them. I like Tampa Bay on Survivor. But again, both things can be true. Uh, Pittsburgh, I think, is interesting as like that bigger long shot. To be honest with you, I kind of think Jacksonville is interesting as a longer shot if the Colts completely shit their pants. Uh, Carolina. Obviously, right? What if the Saints don't care? Um, we don't really know. Um, and then the Rams have kind of gone away from being that fifth piece. They can still be that fifth piece at you know plus one ten, plus one twenty here. But obviously, that was a lot more interesting when it was plus one sixty earlier on in the week. Same thing with Kansas City. You know, there's a very reasonable chance that Kansas City wins that game outright. Right? A ton of uncertainty and a ton of value out there. So uh, Jets, Steelers, Falcons, Panthers, and then depending on how you feel either Rams or the Chiefs from a teaser standpoint. Again, week 17, like 
points mean a lot less in week 17 because we just don't know what to expect. That being said, I expect the Giants to hang in there with the Cowboys, so plus eight, right? Grabbing them from two up to eight. Tennessee, I expect to win the game even with that line move down to seven because it looks like Watson's going to play. Still like Tennessee to win the game, Tennessee minus one. Obviously, I like Denver and the Rams here. Anything teased over a touchdown for both of those. And then honestly, Kansas City, like as this number even goes up to plus five, plus six, getting it up over double digits. Again, maybe they just don't score. Maybe, you know, the Chargers somehow blow them out. I just don't really see that necessarily being the situation here uh, when it comes to that. Hopefully these Sunday special podcasts have been helpful to you this year and the contest stuff has been interesting as well. Best of luck with your wacky week 17 wagerings. Until next time, I'll see you at the window.